Are you ready to become a VIP? Do you have a cell phone that you can text on? Then consider this an exclusive invitation. As a VIP, you will receive special secret offers via text. These items are usually free and they are always must-have craft supplies from beloved brands. Send us a text and become a VIP at scrapbook.com. Welcome to the at-home edition of the Life Handmade Podcast with scrapbook.com. This is the show for paper crafters and I'm your host, Jessica Harrington. Today, we feel so honored to be sharing time and thoughts with the incredibly talented and delightful Allie Edwards. In this episode, Allie reveals if we could only complete one memory keeping project this year, she tells us what that would be and how she incorporates words and mantras intentionally into the threads of her life and why continually striving to live into the gray makes her a better mother, wife, friend, and person. Allie has been a friend of scrapbook.com for quite some time, and gosh, I wish we could say that she is here with us live in the scrapbook.com studio, but today we're practicing safe social distancing and both recording remotely. Welcome, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. excited to chat with you. I know. I've been looking forward to this ever since we got it on our calendar, so thank you. For those of you that don't know... Allie is a designer and memory keeper who helps others authentically craft the stories of their own lives. And she shares her belief that scrapbooking should be an intentional and personal process. Allie is not only a businesswoman and designer, but also an avid blogger, workshop instructor, and the author of four books. Even when those stories are difficult, there can be moments of beauty in both the mundane and the challenges, and Allie seems to effortlessly embrace these imperfections in her storytelling. This is especially true for her A Week in the Life project, and she has led that since 2005, and it seems that this year is particularly important for us to record. Allie lives in Oregon with her husband, Aaron, and their five children. And Allie, I am so appreciative to have you here with us today. So thank you again. You're super welcome. I don't know about anything being effortless. Well, that was the one thing I heard It's you seemingly. And I'm seemingly, like, what is know, that? I don't know what that means. We have a way of, you know, making it seem that way to us, uh, maybe. Uh, uh. Well, it's all with effort, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Working hard. Yeah. Like I mentioned, Allie has been in the industry for over 17 years and she has scrapbook.com gallery projects posted from way back in 2003. That's way back, right? Totally way back. (laughs) It was fun to go on there and look at them. Right? Right. The styles. Old school. Yeah. Uh The products, everything. Well, I began my career at scrapbook.com in 2005. And that time when I look back for me, definitely it truly, I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast here with us today, but it does include you. It's it's fuzzy a bit, but I remember in those early days uh, feeling like you were someone that was just ahead on the path uh, for me. You were a few years older, doing things, talking about things that... I felt that I could connect with or learn Mm -hmm. from and maybe experience myself soon. And it was like you were reading aloud a book. uh, Mm -hmm. Then you were a few pages ahead uh, of me shining a light on that path. And I think many people feel this same connection, mostly because we we feel that you're vulnerable and you share what we feel like is all of you. So my first question for you is, is that true? Do you share all of you? Absolutely not. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think I share a lot and I, it's so interesting when I look back, you know, over the the time, if you go back to 2002 was when my son Simon was born and that was when I started memory keeping. And at that point in time, for me, it was definitely just about documenting him you know he was like a year old and that was that was the initial purpose but it didn't take very long for me to start to understand that the process of writing down stories and documenting general life through photography and the whole process 
was giving me a gift. Like I was learning about myself through the process as well as like, so there's the parallel part of, you know, enjoying scrapbooking and and diving into that and taking pictures and, you know, life with the new child. And then the parallel track for me became the business piece of it. And, you know, having it turn in, having a hobby or something that I just found great joy in turn into this whole other thing that I never really expected to happen. So whenever I think about the authenticity piece and sharing everything, I would definitely say that I've shared a lot and I don't shy away from sharing things that are hard because I think that that is an important piece of all of our stories. Like that's what's real is that we all have um, challenging things, but there are definitely pieces that I, uh, pieces of my story that I feel like are personal and it's not from a, um, I'm not going to tell you this story because I'm, it's going to make me look bad kind of thing. It's more of a level of protection for people that I care about or people mm-hmm. that I love. And also I think the, um, acknowledgement that I don't believe that all stories need to be told, um, especially in a scrapbook, like, and I, and I include highs and lows and those sorts of things, but I, I don't feel like it has to, you know, there shouldn't be pressure to include negative things. Mm-hmm. I like a nod. I like a nod to the hard stuff. Yeah. Is there a difference in the stories that you share in your scrapbook and maybe some stories that you share on the blog or because you have that larger audience, uh, that that following? Do you feel beholden to to give more nods? You know, it's kind of, I think the place where I talk about real life struggles the most is within my one little word project and within that classroom. So that we've had that workshop going now since I think 2011 is when we started doing that. And for me, out of any of the projects that I do, that one is the most, um, you know, like real life about what's happening with me. And I get on the video and I talk about, this is what's hard right now and those sorts of things. Um, so there's a little bit of a, of a, uh, barrier. I don't know. Barrier is not the right word, but the uh, it, it, that's where those kinds of stories get shared mm-hmm. more these days. I would say blogging okay. for me has changed so much. Like I don't blog in the way that I used to um, at all, uh, and I think so much of that is social media driven. You know, stories that I'm or blog posts that I may have done in 2005 are now Instagram posts, you know, it's like one photo, here's the story sort of thing. And that was a lot of when I've gone back and looked in my blog archives, that's where a lot of that was. And the blog now is more project, more scrapbooking, less, less directly personal writing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that the social media has kind of changed the way that blogging as it was uh, 15 years ago, because you're able to in the moment, share the nuggets and see the story unfolding instead of, you know, sitting down at the end of the week and thinking, how can I write this story? Right. Well, yeah, over the years, Ali has uh, been a leader in the memory keeping industry, whether she thinks so or not. I'm <laughs> going to say this. Uh, she's written books about design, been on TV, podcasts. You sell the kit subscriptions and create those digitals for easy download. You host all those online classes, like you mentioned, uh, the one word, uh, December Daily, Art of Noticing, My Story, Day in the Life, and even hosted exclusive retreats and gatherings. If someone at home could only work on one memory keeping project the entire year, what would you suggest that they choose? So when I when I think about this question, you know, the, there are so many different ways that people can do memory keeping you know, these days and, and, and people approach it from so many different, um, aspects for me, if, if it came to the point where I had to only pick one project, I'm pretty sure that I would choose week in the life. And the reason why is because what I really care about documenting are everyday life kinds of things. Um, you know, what is the carpet? What's the, I want, I want photos that include the color of the carpet, you know, because we know in looking back at, um, pictures that our parents may have had, or the one picture that you have from your grandparents, like seeing all the other stuff in their environment is, tells so much more of the story than here's the portrait picture of your grandma's face, which is beautiful. Um, but there's so much more to the story. So for mm-hmm. me, 
picking seven days out of the year, every year since 2005, and having an album that has a start and a finish, which is also something that I really like. There's not like a behind, you know, it's one project. Um, doing doing that and being able to look back at those albums and actually see the evolution over time of my family structure, of myself, of the yard, you know, all those different things. I I really love that. And I love the deep dive into what does your everyday life look like. So, you know, in this case, living in a completely different world situation right now, the project that I do this year coming up in May is going to look completely different. I mean, there'll, there'll be some pieces that will look the same and then there'll be a lot of pieces also that look very different from past years. That's yeah. what I'm interested in. And I think and when, that, when is that coming up? Is this always in the spring or do well, you do this at odd times? I've done it in the past since, you know, since 2005, I've done it at different times, but we've started to kind of standardize it and do it in May, which partly is just from a business standpoint and a project flow. Um, it's the best time of year to have a pro this project happen. Um, because if we, for us, if we move it into the fall, then it gets too close to December daily, you know, it's, it's all those things go into it. So right. we've pretty much been doing it in April and May, the last few years. So May 11th, Monday, May 11th is um, the day that I'm going to start. And for this project, what I generally do is I, during the week, you know, starting Monday, Monday through Sunday, I just focus on the words and the photos. So okay. I'm living my life. I'm taking pictures. I try to get my big camera out instead of my phone because that just gives a different quality to the pictures. Um, and then I'm writing things down at the end of the day. And that 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 actually is a time when I blog too because I blog every day as a holding place for the photos and the words that I am documenting from that day. And then I go come back to it the week after, or, you know, a couple weeks after and actually put the project uh, together. So I like the emphasis on um, focusing just on the words and the photos first, and then coming back and doing the crafty or the, you know, creative part uh, or the, the creative hands-on part right. later on. Yeah. And then just enjoying that process. Yeah. I, I found that that works too. When, um, I travel, I take photos throughout the day, obviously. And then finally in the evenings, whether we're with my, my family, my children, or it's just my husband and I, then I'm in bed, I look through the photos and then that's when I journal. Sometimes I do voice to text. Sometimes I, I type right on my phone, but gosh, uh, it, two days goes by and you're so thankful you wrote something 48 hours ago. Cause you do, you forget the mundane, the tiny details it's just, yeah, we just can't remember. I can't no. remember what I did yesterday. Actually, no, I was outside. <laughs> <laughs> I was pressure washing outside. So my hands are still like, no. Yes, from you're sore. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I, yeah, I love it's that. It's hard to remember. And I, I just think, you know, for so many people with memory keeping and scrapbooking, they, they come into it from an event, right? From, you know, maybe it's a birthday or a wedding or, um, some are death, you know, some reason why they, they've got this itch to write something down. Um, and I love including those kinds of things as well. But for me, the, the most magical stories are the ones that are happening in our daily mm -hmm. lives for sure. Yeah. So I love that idea. And I've, I've followed along with a week in the life and I know that you pair the photos with the words. And so with your intentional ideas of the stories, let's say, driving the kids to school or, mm -hmm. or, um, creating a meal and having the kids help. There's the intentional things that you think you're capturing. What comes to mind when you look back at the, all the years that you've done this, that were the stories hidden beneath the stories, like the microwave brand or the way you held your coffee cup or, um, how long it took to remodel something in the house. Like what, what comes to mind that has emerged that like speak, they're hidden in those photos later. Oh, yeah. There's so many layers. I know. So many layers in every single photo we take that can spark so many different kinds of stories. One of the one of the things that I've talked about in some of our events that are, you know, our live events that we've done, I, I tell a story in, about how during one of the week in the life years, which I think was in 2011, um, that was actually during that week that I was documenting that was the time when Chris, my first husband, decided that he wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. And it 
obviously, you know, there was, there was things that were leading up to that. And, but this was when he was kind of making his final decision that this was what was going to happen. So here I am in the middle of doing this project, not only doing the project, but leading the project, mm-hmm. right. You know, that it's my, this is a part of my job. This is what I need to do. Um, when I look back at that album now, there are so many images in there that are representative to me of that time without me writing in there, Chris decided he was going to leave today. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, you know, that wasn't a piece of what I did for a variety of reasons. Maybe if I wasn't as public, maybe I would have included more of an acknowledgement of that. But for me in that situation, I wanted to wait. I mean, it just didn't make sense. But when I look at the photos, like there's a picture of me um, actually in the shower. So I take pictures of my, not full body shot, obviously, but um, a picture of me where I set my camera, took the camera in the shower with me, um, set it on the ledge and like covered my hands with my face, over my face. And it's a steamy kind of, you know, um, atmospheric sort of picture, but I will always remember what that picture means to me. And, and I like actually talking about it after the fact. And it's something that I, I definitely feel like I could go back now and tell the story of that in a different kind of way than, you know, versus how I would tell it in the moment, which is also something that I talk to people a lot about of that. There's a lot of stories that we're living through that we may not be, be ready to tell you know, and that there, it's okay to wait and do it later on when you have a different perspective of what's happening to you at any given point in time. Um, because we don't know the answer when we're living through it, right? We yes. don't know what we're learning. Um, we might have a hint of what we may be learning, but it takes time for those kinds of lessons to, to right. um, pop up to the surface. Or, yeah, how big the events are going to be or the gravity of the events, you know? Yeah, kind of, you for know. sure. Getting, getting over cancer or going through a divorce or all these things, people focus on that, that end result. Like, oh, that divorce must be hard. Yes, of course the divorce was hard. But when you talk about that week in the life, when his, you know, and you talk about that day, whatever the day was, Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. you know, those, those weeks that aren't really, you know, th- there's not really a stake in the ground there. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really yeah. glad. I had no idea that that happened during um, one of your processes that you were leading in 11. It was hard. I mean, that this, the whole entire thing was hard. Totally. Like there, you know, was, I had, it was not, it was not what I wanted. And, but also at the same time now looking back, so that's, you know, eight years ago or however long mm-hmm. it was now, like now I can't imagine it not happening, <laughs> you know, and, and all the things that I've learned through that process and, you know, living through a trauma like that. And, um, Yeah. I think it definitely informs the kind of stories that I look for uh, also in the kinds of ways that I um, try to bring gratitude into so many of the stories that I tell too. That's a big focus for me, like looking around and um, that will probably be one of the things that I focus on, on one of the week in the life days. Um, I often have some sort of a jumping off point for my journaling um, and gratitude would be a really natural one for me to do where what I'm documenting on that Tuesday are all the things I'm thankful for right now. And there's lots of science, you know, there's the science of the practice of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's real. Yeah. And when you describe that iconic scene in your mind, the capture of, of the shower with your, your hands over your face, it it does make me wonder what will this week in the life be for so many people um, around the world? How, you know, bizarre is it that um, it's worldwide? It's not just, you know, our country or one yep. state. And so when I think about that and I think about it's usually the parent or an adult doing this, mm-hmm. um, what will those layers be? What will be the layer, like you said, that's a story to yourself, a time capsule to yourself of that was me in the shower. I was going through something. But what will it look like? to the children, their, their memory might be, oh, it was so fun that we picked up food and we sat on the curb because it was going to get cold by the time we got back or, oh yeah, homeschooling. Um, I remember I loved that I was in my pajamas. I, it's, there's so many layers of understanding and how their memories will, will be when they look at it the just, album. It blows my mind. It's yeah. like, it's the, yeah, it's, yes. 
Yeah. Yep. It's our yeah. time capsule, but it's everyone else's. And I suppose yeah. they all have their own interpretation. Yeah. And, and just so, like you said, so, you know, too, so many different stories, depending on where you live and what your own personal life situation is. And, um, you know, are you a healthcare worker or do you have no children? And, you know, what looks different now for you? Um, so many different ways that it can go. You know, we're all living within this like umbrella topic, but everybody has their own different path right. um, that's happening, which is the same in, in regular life too. Yes. But I think that this just makes it more pronounced. T- totally. Yeah. I mean, we're all going through something. I agree. And yeah, the, it's funny because my my girlfriends and I laugh of the the tiniest, not serious detail of the fact that we used to be able to, whether we should have or not, just been able to say, oh, you know, gotta go. Or, you know, oh, I can't, I can't make that get together tonight. Um, we're all, <laughs> we're all, there's no bush to hide behind right <laughs> no, now. So totally you know, even that, it's just, it's just funny. It's just funny. And we're all experiencing this on different levels of togetherness and loneliness. Definitely a story worth telling too. And I know that I've seen lots of people in my community um, that have been creating, you know, separate albums and doing, you know, whether it's a traveler's notebook or it's something else where they're documenting different pieces of what's happening. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to hone in on what kinds of stories matter to you um, as well. Yeah, I look forward to following along. And for those of you listening, we'll make sure that we have the link and information in the show notes about the upcoming week in a life, as well as the other uh, things that Ali mentioned as well. So as I mentioned earlier, when we described all the initiatives that you're a part of, no one would argue that you're incredibly driven. But looking back, maybe let's say your adult life. What is the hardest you've ever worked in your life? I, it's like my long pause. (laughs) Well, when I say, you know, I I ask this question to a variety of people. Yeah. And when I say your life, all of a sudden there's a ratcheting that happens and people think I have to choose one. What does this, what does this mean? What does this say? If I choose this hard thing, what is... So yeah, I, I'm interested to hear your well, answer. I, just, I love I, this. You know, I'm thinking like in some ways, some of the things that have happened to like I didn't I didn't come into memory keeping and scrapbooking and go, I am going to make a career out of this. This is going, you know, I am this is what I'm going to do. Um it there was definitely kind of an organic evolution and a a lot just of me saying yes to things. Um, so, you know, saying yes to, would you like to do some work with, um, creating keepsakes magazine, which was magazine back in the day, um, you know, saying yes to being on a design team and, you know, there were that initially in the beginning and then from there, it just kind of grew. And so I'm trying to think like, I think that I am naturally a hard worker. Like I am a right. type A. Um, I like to do things, quote unquote, right. Right. So I have issues Same. with black and white and yep. right and wrong. Um, and so for me, probably no matter what I was going to end up doing, I would want to do it well. Um, and I'm trying to think of like what what pieces have been really hard when we, so for many years, I partnered with a variety of different companies and had license agreements for my artwork with them. So Technique Tuesday created stamps for me and I had digital products in another place. And at the point in time where um, I decided to bring that all under one umbrella and partner with one company, which at the time was Studio Calico and is now mm-hmm. called Inked, which is now essentially an influencer commerce company. Um, yeah. I was one of the first brands that they worked with. And that transition for them and for that was very hard yeah. um, in term, you know, contract co- doing contracts and figuring out what that was going to look like and growing pains related to 
scale? How do we scale this? What does this actually look like? Um, that was very that was very hard, and there were some very challenging uh, times in there uh, that I feel like um, I was. It was hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to think of it, it, it. Kind of parallels also a time for me when I was, I would say, struggling a little bit emotionally and needing some extra help in that department. Um, some hormonal changes, you know, mm-hmm. some things that were like my reactions to problems were overreactions and. I think that that fed into that some of those things being that being a really hard time. Yeah. Not um, feeling like you were your best self or that definitely you were not up. my yeah. best self. Like okay. definitely some some points in there where um where the anger that I felt towards whatever was happening, you know, these these are not like big totally. world things. Like just business problems. Yeah, yeah, just issues that came up which are very which I have I think I've learned now are very normal and you just go with it and you figure yeah. it out rather than Allie having a just huge, you know, freak out yeah. um about something that maybe really wasn't that big of a deal. Um so when I reflect back, I would definitely say that the first couple of years of that relationship were very hard. Um also because I needed medication. So yeah. like there was the kind of the mixture of those things. Wow. That's and like probably. you said, you were there first. So it's kind yes. of like your eldest child where you're figuring things out with your eldest child. For sure. For sure. And, <laughs> it, and a lot pig. of it was, it was definitely being a guinea pig, which I was like, I was willing to do. And yeah. it's worked out for sure. Like I'm super happy with that relationship and, and um, that's, it's, it's gone really well. But it was definitely hard in the beginning. And I think a lot of it just is related to my personality and wanting things to be right and wanting, you know, quote unquote, right, whatever I feel like is the right, right. thing I wanted um, to be to be right and kind of chilling out in that arena a little bit has been good for me and probably good for the people that are closest to me. Too. <laughs> yeah. When you said earlier that you were type A and you wanted everything to be right. And, um, when you talked about realizing some things about yourself and you said, it's not black and white. Um, I, I too, not just, again, not just because we're on this podcast together, gray, I think summarizes my favorite color and gray is the result of when things are not black and white. Was that something you believed then, or is that something that you believe now? And what does that mean that you either embrace the gray or appreciate the gray? Yeah. I feel like that has been, I call those kinds of things, lessons learning. Like this is something that I've been learning over the years, um, since I feel like I started becoming more self-aware, you know, of, of myself. And, and I feel like I credit a lot of that to scrapbooking and to the fact that I've been writing things down and I've been evaluating myself and I'm like, you know, do I like how this, what this behavior is like, those sorts of things. Um, I lost my train of thought right there. What I was with black and white, black and white. Yeah. Um, I feel like there probably something that I had read at some point in time, some other author talking about living in the gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember who that was, but I'm sure that that had some impact um, on me and some sort of revelation of, I don't want to be black and white. Like I want to be more accepting of the gray areas. And a lot of that for me is kind of identifying what's actually the most important thing here. What is actually the thing that I should care about versus trying to either care about everything or singling out the one thing that I'm going to, you know, hang my hat on forever. And so that's a continual lesson for me. Like I come up against things all the time where I'm like, oh, yep, that's just black and white. That's I'm trying to live black and white again, and I don't want to be in that space. And so how can I adjust my expectations? How can I um, pivot to where, you know, I'm identifying what's the most important thing for me and then kind of moving forward, acknowledging that it doesn't have to be, you know, it's a perfection issue. Right. Yeah. 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 I like that you say that, that that can be your like little indicator that pops up, whoops, living in the black and white, you know? Yeah. And I, I, you know, all it's 
sometimes when I think about gray, it's maybe sometimes not right or wrong. I also look at living in, in the gray and I think we might've read the same book and it's, it's terrible that we can't think of it <laughs> right now. Cause that'd be it's, a great quote. It's, to I'm sure right it's a now. great book. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I kind of look at it as when you're able to live in the gray or embrace the gray, kind of like a privilege or a badge of honor, because I feel like black is darkness and maybe mm. white is, is light. And in order to understand the gray, it means you've had to uh, had experiences right. of right. both. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, and that actually, you know, whenever I'm on a podcast like this, or I'm talking about these sorts of things, it always you know, I have so many things flash up in my head of all of these different threads that have come up in my life. And I think related to the black and white, one of the pieces for me that has encouraged adjustment has been having a child with special needs. So Simon, when he, you know, he was born in 2002 and when he was two and a half, he was diagnosed with autism. And definitely at that point in time, it was, um, very, you know, we were, there were all kinds of things related to what is this going to be like? You know, how is this going to change this life we had imagined for ourselves and this life that we had imagined for him and um, my black and white vision, right? Of Um, what um, this family life or this child is going to look like. And so going through life with him, like I say all the time that I am a significantly better person because I have had him in my life, the experience of living with him and seeing what he cares about and seeing what he struggles with, um, you know, and, and, and the imperfections that are just so amazing in him are the things that I love the most. Right. And that's such a good reminder to me of like, it's not black and white, that it is gray. And then the whole beauty of difference Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of that stuff too. Yeah. And I'm sure that you had visions of yourself as either a black and white mother and being a gray mother now. And for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I never, and at that point in time when he was born, I didn't imagine like there was not a plan that I would be working. Right. Um, You know, that was not part of the plan. (laughs) I mean, I had a graphic design degree and I had, you know, I had gone to college and had um, had an English degree as well. But it, you know, it, obviously things are way different yeah. than I imagined at that point in time, which is normal. You know, yep. that's also that's, normal. That's life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, thinking about uh, the words and, and living in the gray and the uh, words that we've talked about, I know a couple that come to mind that I've seen over the years with you. So when we talk about Simon, have you had words or mantras that have, when you think of Simon and, and, um, parenting him? Has there been any words or mantra? And, and what have been the words or mantra maybe through your divorce or through your marriage with Aaron? What, what are those special words or mantras? I like this question too. So with Simon, related to Simon and, and telling the story of Simon, I would say over the years. So the major focus for him has been on celebration and looking for things to celebrate. What can we celebrate about him right now? Um, you know, all of the things that are not, you know, following whatever the baby books say, you know, of these milestones, right? And so when you have a child with special needs, you learn very quickly that those books are not, you don't need to read those books. Throw them out. You do not, they're, you're going to have a completely different path and it's going to be awesome and beautiful. And you're going to look for opportunities to celebrate this child because they're rad. Um, so I think with Simon, that really has been uh, the main focus of my documenting for him has always been like, what can we celebrate right now? Um, you know, what can we, what story can I tell the, of things that he's taught us? Those are um, things that I do as well uh, related to him. Uh, for my own self, um, and going through the divorce, one of the main mantras that came up for me is this idea of living the length and the width. That's also from a quote, oh, which okay. I will have to look up to get the correct attribution <laughs> the, the, for you. That have changed our lives. I just, it's, you know, it's, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll find, I'll find the, um, who, who to attribute okay. that to. But this, for me, it was really the idea that, I did not want to 
come out of the experience of going through a divorce um, with all of my feelings stuffed inside. I wanted to feel all of the feelings while I was going through that experience. Um, And I think that, you know, those were lessons that I had probably learned in lots of other experiences along the way leading up to that point. But I had a very clear feeling in my head and my heart that I didn't want to stuff that away. I didn't want all of that to come back up at some other point in time in my life. And so I was really, um, open to, to letting myself feel all those feelings and mm-hmm. be really mad and be really sad. And if I felt happy to be happy, like it, I could be happy in that sad okay. time too, you know, all, all of those. Um, so living the length and the width represented that for me. It also represented, um, like the idea of living a full life, right? That if you envision a circle or a square that you're living to those edges, right? You're not just keeping yourself and I'm moving my hand, <laughs> moving yes, my hand. Yes, you know, that yes. You're not just living in this small little space. Like you are, you're living, living to the edges of whatever that means for you. And for me, that meant I wanted to travel and I wanted music to be a part of my life. And I, um, you know, hoped that maybe I would meet someone someday, you know, I mean, all of those sorts of things of, I just didn't want to shy away. Right. I didn't want to shy away. And I think sometimes my natural inclination is to shut it all down, right? Shut it all down, go into my room, be by myself. I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. And um, so living the length and the width reminded me that I needed friends, mm-hmm. that I needed, needed to, I needed to show up. Um, for other people, um, there was just so that it was a huge, it was a huge piece of how I lived through that experience for sure. Okay. Um, The length and the width. Living the length and the width. Yep. Yep. Did that trant, did that also follow you into your relationship with Aaron and allowing that to bloom? Or was there a different word and mantra with meeting Aaron and, um, allowing that to bloom? That's a good question. I can't think of something off the top of my head right now. The The whole length and the width thing still follows me. Like okay. that's still a piece of, of, of how I want to live my life. And, you know, when I do check-ins with myself, I am asking myself, am I currently doing that? Or okay. in what ways? And I'm a very reflective, like this is part of my natural thing. Like I'm always like, oh, how do I feel right now? Let's, you know, yeah, let's you evaluate that. Yeah. Um, you know, the the experience with Aaron was just also so crazy and different. And um, we were introduced by uh, a mutual friend who thought we would get along well. And he was going through something similar and uh, he needed a friend. And I was like, I'm going to be everybody's friend. You know, like, like sure. let, me, let me share all my information with you about going through a divorce and make sure you, you know, here's my type A. <laughs> like right? I've been there. Yeah. A few do this, do this. Book. Yeah, yeah. Check all these boxes, you know, and he's just like, that's, he's not that kind of person. Um, so it was really, you know, it was such an interesting experience to, to meet someone else and to, be able to have a time when we didn't have kids. And so the beginning of our relationship was really just me and him and music was a big piece of that and just has been continued to be that way too. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know that you're a Dave Matthews fan. I, I love this about you. I love Dave like, oh, Your voice changes. I just, I, I just do. I just listened to it last night really loud. Like it's just, nice. just yeah. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing with us those words and mantras. And like I said, you you've been this thing in my life, and I've I've followed. Well, Instagram wasn't a thing then, but um, I remember I had this moment. It was very recently. It was I think it was even before we got you booked for the podcast. And Simon is eighteen now. How old is he? He's eighteen. He's eighteen. Okay, so my oldest is almost fifteen. So I, ahead, you're always a few pages ahead, you know. And, <laughs> and I remember when Simon was 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 little, and your one of your hashtags, or even in the blogs, you incorporated "Go Simon Go," which yes. you describe as celebration. Yep. And it it struck me the other day you posted something and he very much was a young man. And at the end of the post, after all the hashtags, it said, go Simon, go. And I was like, oh, she still uses that. And I hadn't maybe seen all of your posts and just to see him as a young man and you still focusing on celebration. Yeah. It's, 
it's he, he's just so cool, you know, and everything that he's been able to accomplish and just his passion for living. And, you know, I mean, he has tons of things that are really hard for him, too. But to be able to I think one of the most amazing things for me, a social media positive has mm-hmm. been um this really amazing, beautiful community of people that have supported him along the way, whether or not he knows it, like I know it and I feel it. And I feel that support for him, like out of any, whenever I post about him, it gets the most comments, the most um, response and that, that people have really, you know, enjoyed being able to get to know him and yep. read his story and just, you know, some other connection with somebody that has autism. There's lots of people that don't know anyone that has autism. And one of the really special things that we've done, the we do a local, in, well, we do an in-person event here. I live in Eugene, Oregon, and we started a couple years ago. And it's like 40 women, you know, coming here to Eugene and we talk about, you know, it's like a memory keeping deep dive and Simon comes and he loves it. He walks in there. People (laughs) talk to him. He's so happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of that. And it's like, he just walks up to everyone and shakes their hands and wants to give them a hug and would like to, you know, talk to them about Star Wars. And he often literally will stand up and give a speech. And it's just like this, it's, I mean, in terms of like filling me up, you know, to be able to see that and to give him a place where, where people already know his story and they love him and they want to talk to him and they want, you know, he doesn't always experience that in his regular life, I think. Right. Um, So that's also been a, an amazing, you know, kind of wonderful piece of, of this whole thing. So support for him. Yeah. I like how it's always been equal parts celebrating him and then revealing or focusing on how it's, impacted your life and your family's life. It it feels very equal to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, and that's one of the things for me. And like, I've always said when I went for me, the memory keeping that I do is mainly for me. You know, it is, it is me telling my story, me documenting my experiences that include all of these other characters, right? I'm the main character in the story, in my story. And everybody else is a supporting character. And so whenever I'm writing thing, you know, I, some of my documenting is letter writing. I write letters to the kids. Um, And a a lot of other things are just, you know, like stories about Simon or where we're meeting with his teachers. And so the story is me talking about, um, you know, what are the things that are hard right now and what are the things that he's, he's excelling at and Mm -hmm. um, how thankful I am for the community, our local community in his school and the aids that he's had, you know, the, the mixture of all of it, right? Yeah, the herd that's, yeah. that's helping him grow, for but sure. But I think that there's a lot of people out there, too, that see scrapbooking just as something for their kids, right? That they are yeah. doing for their kids, and they're going to give it to them, or they're um, documenting the story for them, which always, which brings me back to, like, what you said earlier about how our kids are going to have their own perspective about living in this time, yes. right? The adults are going to have that. Yeah, yeah. The adults are going to have their own, which is the same in, in, in life regularly. So I'm always encouraging people like this is your, st- you know, scrapbooking is your story. You are, you're telling this use I, you know, this is, it's your perspective on what's happening. And if you want other people's perspective, then you need to invite them into the story, give them opportunities to participate um, in your storytelling too. Yep. I, I love that. Make sure that you have I. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I remember doing that with the travel albums. Initially, when I first started, I felt like I needed to say, we experienced this and, and include Boyd, my husband's point of view, whether he wanted to participate or not. And I just started <laughs> saying I, cause it was more yeah. authentic. Like yeah. I liked this meal and I was scared when we did this. And it's so much actually easier. Yeah. 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 It's easier. And I just feel like I know for me, I've, uh, my, I think that my self-awareness and all of those kinds of things would be way different if this wasn't a part of how I process my stories. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's who you are. Yeah. Well, um, something that we like to ask all of our podcast guests is, 
going to be, I, I don't know, I'm excited to hear what your answer is for this. It's a two-part question. And it's something that, what, it's basically, what is the most meaningful handmade creation that you've, that basically a project that you've worked on and given, but then also, what is the most meaningful handmade creation that you've received from someone? It can be in the past or very recently. Okay, I got, I got it. I, I got All right. It. Okay, so let's start with the received first, okay. and then I have a story about something I've given. Um, when I started thinking about this, at first I was like, there must be something that my mom has made for me. And she, my mom likes to cross-stitch, so I have lots of cross-stitch things that she's made. And I love those things, so that's kind of its own little category. Um, but I think one of the things that I really, really love is um, hanging in my office and it was sent to me by Colleen Adara and she does words like salvaged words. So before okay. um, she works with me on one little word things from time to time and she makes words for people out of like recycled plastic. But she sent me um, a canvas that it, and it's a, probably eight by eight canvas that had um, it was, you know, painted and then it had all of these stitched hearts that were layered on top of each other. And I, I can't remember if it was hand stitched. It must've been hand stitched, but she had left all of the, like the tails, the threads that oh. were there. And she had sent it after we got married, after Aaron and I got married. And, um, and it was, I think it probably has, if I remember right, has seven hearts. I didn't look at it again this morning before I got on here, but it's, it was just such a meaningful, like, I love threads. I love, you know, like mm -hmm. so many layers of meaning within that, you know, all of these hearts being stitched together in this new way. And I loved the fact that she left the tails on there. Like there was just something about that that was really um, meaningful and special to me. Um, so she I would, didn't trim it up and make it perfect. Yes, that's exactly right. And, yeah. and she is totally like, she gets that vibe. She is the embrace, you know, embrace the mess and just, um, yeah. So that, that's one that jumped out for me and there's probably lots of other ones. Is but, there a word in the middle of the canvas or is it just a blank canvas with I, these hurts with it's threads? It's got, it's, I'm, I think it's painted. I'll have to, I, if I was in my office, I would be able to look at it right away. Um, no. We will have a photo of it if you can yes, get it. Yes, I will take a picture. Yes, notes. I will okay. do that for Thank sure. You. Yep. So the thing that I gave, and this is what immediately popped into my head, and I actually don't make a lot of things for people. Yeah. Like okay. that's the, the making that I do tends to be, you know, here for myself sorts, you know, or our family sort of thing. Um, but what it made me think of was when I was in high school, um, this, I would have been a senior in high school, or maybe I would have just graduated because it's related to a particular boyfriend that I had at the time. Um, I made him, and I can't remember if it was birthday or whatever it was, but I made him a book and it was all of these quotes that were handwritten, you know, I'd picked probably like, this is very telling, you know, think about it now, um, like 50 quotes that I hand wrote all these quotes and like decorated them and probably, you know, wrote them out in these, all these different ways. Uh, but I remember my mom looking at it and being like, you can't give this away. <laughs> like you need to keep this. Like, this is so amazing. Like, I, Were they quotes about life in general? Were, yes. Just they were just quotes. like, you know, finding quote. And this is pre-internet, right? This oh is yeah. Like, I don't even know where I was finding. These How did quotes. you even find them? So I, I think I must've found most of them in books. Right. It must have been like quote books or I mean, I've always loved books. So I've always had lots of books and my parents, you know, books were just available. Or maybe movies, maybe. Yeah, it could have been. I feel like they were probably just life quotes of, yeah. you know, life and love and those sorts of things. But it was. Because you knew so much, you know. Right. At 17. 17. I was like so, we all I, do. Yep. I knew everything then for sure. Yeah. Did you end up giving it to him? Oh, I did for sure. <gasps> so yes. if someone has this, this meaningful. Someone, I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just a piece, you know, it's like my mom will laugh so hard. I should ask her about that. If she remember, I'm oh, sure she geez. remembers it. That's something she would remember. Um, he was a good boyfriend though. You know, he was that transitional, like high school to college boyfriend, which just didn't work out obviously when yes. we went our separate ways. Uh, but a good good soul. So that, that's yeah. probably my most memorable 
um, thing that I've made for someone else. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks for making oh, me remember that story. Go down, going down memory lane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, there wasn't internet and all the things that distract us now. And I feel like I too had these long, long, very heartfelt handmade gifts that were given to those high school loves for sure. And who right. knows where they are? Who knows where yeah. they are? I mean, they yeah. might be in a box in someone's garage right now. So. Well, and I think that that, again, gets back to just that idea of like doing it, like doing these things for ourselves, you know, that, that, that we get something out of the process of creating these things, right? So for me, mm-hmm. however many hours went into writing things by hand, that's practice, right? Looking up quotes, putting, feeding my mind with inspiring words and those sorts of things. Like there is, whether or not it gets thrown away by somebody right. on the other end, it's a piece of something that I did and a piece of, you know, what's a thread Right. Um, from my life. Yeah, it's a forging because I mean, at, you know, at same even with social media world, a 16, 17 year old, 18 year old, those quotes that you chose, you were choosing that those were significant in your life. And those were good representations of like what you believed or what where you were putting your values. So like, yep. it was probably one of the most important coming of age uh, things that maybe you ever did. <laughs> it probably was. Oh, God, I'm gonna have to call my mom for sure now. Seriously. Oh, well, I could uh, continue to talk to you for hours. We do need to wrap this up. And I just super appreciate you being here sharing vulnerably with us and sharing more and more and more of your story. And we're excited to follow along in your upcoming projects this year. Thank you. No, I'm just a big scrapbook.com fan too. Been, you know, been around for a long time. Happy to send my orders in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, same here. You're welcome. Thank you again, Allie, for sharing how you choose words and mantras intentionally, how you scrapbook and storytell for yourself first and remain authentic. You share those hard times and of course, remind us to look for ways to celebrate the special moments and people in our lives. Well, like we said, you can find links to all of the products and resources we mentioned in this episode in those show notes, and you can go to www.scrapbook.com forward slash podcast for more information as well. And remember that we carry over 40,000 unique items, and it is the number one online scrapbook store for paper crafters. When you shop at scrapbook.com, you'll enjoy award-winning customer service, great prices, a huge selection of products, and super fast shipping. You'll also benefit from nearly 200,000 real product reviews from crafters like you. Also make sure to connect and get inspired by other crafters in the scrapbook.com forum and gallery. And remember, you can take those free online classes too. Be sure to subscribe to this Life Handmade podcast in your favorite app and enjoy the other episodes that we have in there as well. Happiness is life handmade. So I'm trusting in my faith and I'm skipping to 